You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the show this evening, chef and nutritionist Sid Sheehan is going to be in the studio for his monthly slot. We'll be finding out what to expect in the February issue of Easy Food magazine from Caroline Gray. I pay a visit to Hastings Europa Hotel in Belfast to find out what they're serving up for the breakfast. And Ken Mayor foodie Karen Coakley will be on the phone from the kingdom with a fantastic recipe to share. If you'd like to get in touch with me, please drop me an email, s.noonan at live.ie, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. Now, my first guest this evening joins me in the studio, chef and nutritionist Sid Sheehan from Nourished by Nature in Listowel, County Kerry, is back for the first time in 2016, and I'm sure he has some healthy eating advice for us. At least, I hope he does. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sid, welcome back to the studio the first time you're here this year. Thanks for having me in again. It's always great. And when you were here in December, we had a very short interview because we didn't want to be upsetting the, the listeners, given that it was only a few days before Christmas. But you were talking about overindulging at Christmas and getting up in the scales and there being an extra stone and a bit on. And we all listened to what you had to say, but we didn't take any of the advice, Sid. And no. here we are. It's the end of January. I can't stop eating the rubbish. What am I going to do? Yeah, I think everybody is going to be able to relate to this. Even myself, you know, I try to be good over Christmas, but it's inevitable. It's going to happen. You are going to overindulge. Um, you are going to have extra alcohol in the house. You're going to be going out more socialising. You're going to be doing a lot more, even going out for meals to restaurants and stuff like that. So now it has hit home with people. You know, we're into January. Um, what am I going to do? Where do I start? Um, so we're just going to look at a few tips for how to get kick-started. If you're finding it difficult still, um, Christmas is well gone and you still have bits and pieces, you know, a few biscuits left, a few sweets inside and tin boxes around the house. So what do you do? Um, a lot of people, again, you know, it's a little bit like giving up cigarettes and stuff. Just say, well, I'll wait until a certain date. You know, there's no time like the present. So just start now. If there's a few roses left, get rid of them. You don't have to sit down and have the last supper, which most people will do again. You know, like little squirrels kind of stocking up. Um, so just clear out whatever is left in the house and you know, say, I'm going to start tomorrow or the day after. You don't need to put it off for a week or two. Um, get your head around what you're going to start eating or should I say what you're not going to be eating anymore. Um, get the right foods into the house and you know, start as soon as possible. Okay, you make it all sound so easy, but a lot of the, it's to do with the head, really. Well, it is. Um, the actual practical side of it is quite easy. It's getting your head around how to do it and getting yourself psyched up for it, I suppose, really. That's the difficult part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like dealing with any sort of, well, we won't really call it an addiction, but even though, you know. Well, you see, I would disagree with you there. I, th- I feel it is a lot to do with addiction, that the, that the body has got used to the, the sugar. It like has. A few years ago, I would have done the three-day juice detox. Yes. I know he's looking very sceptically at me now. <laughs> but I, um, I feel my body completely went into shock mm-hmm. at the lack of the sugar and the rubbish. And I got violently ill, violently ill. And couldn't finish it, even though it was only three days, could not finish it. And whenever I kind of had come round from it, all the cravings for the rubbish had actually gone. And I actually was craving nutritious, healthy food, vegetables, fruit, um, soups, all of that sort of stuff. So, I mean, it worked to to some degree. Plus, I had lost the few pounds that I wanted to lose. Now, I couldn't face doing it again I'd have to be so desperate to do it again yeah they are quite difficult to do I'm actually a huge fan of juicing um, but you do need to know what you're doing when it comes to juicing because you can miss out on a lot of um, a lot of the essential nutrients and vitamins and minerals so you would need to follow a very specific three-day juice plan I do them quite regularly myself throughout the year if I feel a little bit you know if I've been on holidays let's say during the year or over Christmas or whatever the case may be if I've overdone it a little bit I think right you know this is the best way to kickstart things it's only two or three days you'll kind of manage that if you look at a seven or ten day juice plan you know forget it because you're only lining yourself up for failure straight away three days of it is manageable but you do need to be pretty disciplined and determined with something like that 
Uh, what, what happens with a juice detox is you just flush out all the bad stuff that's in your body you flush out all the toxins and that's where it comes in that's where the very specific juice recipes and the combinations of different fruits and vegetables um, come into play um, things like putting if you see a recipe let's just say for a juice first thing in the morning that might have green apple um, a little bit of pineapple maybe some celery and you, a lot of them you'll see some fresh ginger or fresh beetroot people will think oh i couldn't stomach fresh beetroot first thing in the morning that's probably one of the essential ones that's in there because that's a huge a really powerful antioxidant so you do need to stick to recipes like that um you can go out and you can there's lots of juice books out there um the one that i would kind of follow most i think he's definitely one of the best ones out there is jason vale um he's got a good few books out there um definitely go and pick pick one of those up and follow his three-day juice plan they're really good. So, and as once you break that habit or break that cycle of the overindulgence and the too much sugar floating around in the blood, do the three-day plan, detox your body, and then, like you said, you you won't actually crave those anymore. You will start naturally craving the good nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, and you will you will crave fruit and veg. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, uh, it, it was amazing the, the change that I felt after it. It made it worthwhile because whenever I was in the throes of it, I thought, yeah. "What am I doing here? I'm, I'm pure mad." But whenever I came round from it and said, "You know, I just want the salads. I just want the the veg and the nice nutritious stuff," it, it was great. Yeah, definitely. Like, and you know, like I said, I do the juice detoxes regularly myself throughout the year. And obviously, when I trained a couple of years ago as a nutritionist, when we were in college, we would have had to do trials of different diets because obviously you're not going to go recommending um, an eating program or a, a lifestyle eating habit to uh, people unless you've got a trial run of it yourself so I did one a couple of years back it was a raw food diet uh, where it was 100% raw so all you could eat was fruit, veg, nuts seeds and water. Now I remember for the first two days it was a big shock to the system on day three I remember having an absolutely horrific headache it, was, it felt like the worst hangover of my life but on day four, and just as I had been told that my energy levels would go through the roof, I was getting by on maybe five, five and a half hours sleep. I wanted to get up in the morning straight away. I was craving the fruit, the veg in its raw state, because that's where it's going to have most of the nutritional content. When you cook any fruit and veg, you're going to a lot of the minerals or the vitamins, should I say, are going to be diminished when you cook with them. I did read recently about somebody that had completely cut the sugar out. And like you're saying about the headaches, like the headaches they had was was really bad. But once they got over that, yeah. they said they felt amazing. Well, the withdrawal symptoms from sugar are absolutely horrific. There are plenty of research studies out there um, where it is compared to coming off of highly addictive drugs, like class A drugs such as heroin, cocaine. Sugar has been proven to be as addictive as substances like that. So, and you know, we're, have, we're over consuming these. We're giving lots and lots of it to our kids every day. Um, so we're essentially poisoning ourselves just with the wrong foods. And to try and come off those, break that habit, you will go through withdrawal symptoms. You will, so try and wean yourself off a little bit, bit by bit. You don't have to have added sugar in your diet. If you have adequate um, fruit and veg and whole grains, things like brown rice, brown bread, you will get enough of the natural sugars to um, sustain life. You don't have to be putting in additional sugar into your diet. Are there healthy alternatives to sugar? So I've read about something, it's, is it called... Xylitol or Xylitol is probably one of the healthier ones out there to use as an alternative. What exactly um, is it? Xylitol, it looks like sugar. Um, it's a white grain, but it's the glycemic load of the sugar. Um, I'll just explain that very simply. The glycemic load is how much it affects your blood sugars or how much the, the glucose level going into your blood or how fast it's released into your blood. So your standard white sugar um, that you'll put into your cereal or into your cup of coffee, that's going to be released into your bloodstream really, really fast. When you look at an alternative like xylitol or stevia is another one, um, all of these ones, they're going to the glycemic load being shoved into your bloodstream. It happens on a much slower, long kind of sustained um, period of time. But are they processed foods? They're processed to a certain extent, but they are natural sugars. Um, they Obviously, they do have to go through a certain amount of processing, but nowhere near um, the processing 
um, that regular white sugar goes through. And do they taste the same as white sugar or do they make things taste the same? Nothing is going to taste as good as... It's like butter and margarine. Exactly, yeah. Now, you know, with butter and margarine, I would always be a big fan of go with the real thing, go with real butter instead of margarine. I tell people steer clear of margarine and a lot of those spreads and stuff, I try to tell people, you know, stick with a little bit of the real thing. Um, if you look at a lot of those spreads and stuff, to be honest, it's just my own personal opinion, but I don't think they've really been around for long enough for us to know the long term effects of them on our health. So who knows in 20 or 30 years time, you know, they might do a research study and say that, you know, that low fat spread that you were having back in the 90s, you know, now these, these are the after effects of it. This is what it has done to you. So stick with a little bit of the real thing. Um, I know it's an animal fat. Ideally, go with plant fats, things like avocado. Um, rapeseed oil this is another good one coconut oil is probably one of the healthiest fats to use so these are all the good ones to use one of the things that I think puts people off avocado is that they're always reported as being very high in calories okay so this fat is going to be high in calories we'll say a gram of fat is going to have more calories in it than um, let's just say a gram of carbohydrate but what you need to it's the source of the fat so avocados and things like um, flaxseed these are plant fats so these are much much healthier these are the omega fats that you need for heart health for brain health for clearing out the bad cholesterol in your arteries and stuff like that Um, too much animal fat is going to cause that to build up so I wouldn't really get hung up on the calories too much it's the source of the calories that's Mm -hmm. more important okay okay well, one food that is very good is fish. And you have a fish night on tomorrow at the cookery school. Yes, we do, actually. Um, so this is going to be just geared around because, again, we're a little island surrounded by water. But if you ask the majority of people, they don't eat anywhere near enough fish. The majority of people really would probably say um, your normal family will say, I think, you know, maybe once a fortnight they'll eat fish. And I'm not talking about frozen battered fish or frozen breaded fish. I'm talking about fresh fish, like oily fish such as salmon, trout, mackerel. Um, we don't eat it. We should be eating fish like that three times a week. Ideally, that's what we should be doing. If you look at Mediterranean countries, they have huge consumption of fish. Um, and the signs on, you know, their health, their health is far better than us. Yeah, and last year you were saying as well, at least one day of the week should be completely meat free. You don't meet it. So you could have one day meat free, three days with the fish and yeah. then the other three days with meat. Yeah, you could. And even when it comes to the meat, then, you know, on those three days, try not to overconsume um, too much red meat. Go for things like turkey, lean turkey, uh, lean chicken. So go for the white meats. Um, steer clear of pork as much as possible. Um, really? Yeah, you know, there's a huge high fat content in it, but there's a lot of other stuff in there as well. It's pumped with a lot of nitrates and stuff like this as well. So these are artificial chemicals that are pumped into the pork and bacon. Um, again, that's why rashers taste so nice. But if you go for um, pork that has come from a very reputable high-end breeder yeah. feeding it. and Exactly. So that's not going to have all this artificial stuff pumped yeah. in there. So okay. try and go... Um, for a local producer, if possible, or somebody who's producing organic pork, okay. it won't have been pumped up with the antibiotics and all the nasty kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. So back to your fish night then. What, yes. what can people expect of that? Do you have a couple of places left of people Yeah, want there are a few places left on it. Um, so it's basically just highlighting how easy it is to cook fish. A lot of people are put off by it. And I think one of the biggest things with people, why they opt for stuff like breaded or battered fish is because it doesn't have bones in it. So I'll be demonstrating how to fillet a fish very, very simply. It's not rocket science to do something like this. So you're guaranteed to have a nice bone-free fillet of fish and fish is so easy to cook. It's done really, really quickly. Um, you'll cook a piece of fish, you know, in maybe three or four minutes. Okay, and that's on tomorrow night, Wednesday, the 27th of January. At what time? Uh, it's from 7 until 9.30. And how much is it for the class? Uh, that class is 25 per person. And people should go to the website. So, yeah, if you want to have a look at the website, um, it's nourishedbynature.ie. Um, if you're on Facebook, you can find us at Nourished by Nature Listol. And if anybody does want to make a booking for the class, like I said, there's a few places left. So you can get us on 087-384-8818. Great. Sid, thanks so much for coming in this evening and we'll talk to you again next month. Thanks a million, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte.
Great to have Sid back in the studio and we will have his slots to look forward to in 2016. If you have any questions health related that you'd like me to put to him, please send them on to me at s.noonan at live.ie. And still to come tonight, I'm out and about at Hastings Europa Hotel in Belfast to find out what they're serving up for breakfast. And Ken Merfoodie, Karen Coakley will be on the phone from the Kingdom with a fantastic recipe to share with us. Next, it's time to find out what to expect in the February issue of Easy Food magazine with Caroline Gray. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Caroline, you're here tonight and you're going to talk about the February issue of Easy Food magazine. Exactly, yes. So we have just our February issue on sale next week and just loaded with great winter warmers and actually loads of really healthy, wholesome options for this time of year as well. And you have a very healthy guest editor this month. We do, we do. We have Susan Jane White. Um, Her latest cookbook is The Virtuous Tart and some listeners may remember her first cookbook which was called The Extra Virgin Kitchen and what's great about Susan Jane is she takes all of your favorite treats like banoffee pie and cookies and donuts and just does really nice wholesome versions of everything using you know some would call them alternative ingredients but they're really she finds using these types of different flours and different sweeteners um, really liberating actually when you kind of break out of you know, the normal refined sugars and refined flours that we're just really used to using. So some really great, but the the best part is they're really doable as well. So we got such a kick out of her cookbook. She is such a fabulous writer. She is so much fun and so sassy. Like uh, everything about her is just an absolute hoot from the way she presents the recipes to actually how they taste. I think people are really going to love these. Give us a couple of examples of recipes by Susan Jane White that are in the February issue. Sure. So one of them, um, you know, one that could cater to a lot of people, actually, she does um, a wheat-free bread. And it uses just things, um, she uses like buckwheat grains and lots of seeds, um, buckwheat flour. And it makes actually just a really nice um, sandwich bread. You know, you could have it with soups, but it's just kind of the go-to that she uses. And for people that might suffer from um, a gluten intolerance, it doesn't have that same bloating effect that some flou- that some breads would from um, using wheat flour. Now, some of her, um, you would think, sinful creations, but they're actually quite good for you. Um, she has a um, banoffee mess, so it's sort of, it tastes, it has all the great flavors of banoffee pie. It has, you know, bananas and dark chocolate and chooses nuts there. Um, but she uses, like, coconut oil and cashew nut butter and pitted dates for some, you know, crunch and a bit of natural sweetness. Um, something else she has that I would absolutely love to try. Like I mentioned, these they, she calls them ho nuts, and they're called the healthy donuts. So uh, it, it's kind of just you get your little sweet fix. You know, you think you're eating a donut, and she makes this really nice pink icing for it. So they're as cute as can be. But like that, you know, they're flavored with um, cinnamon, and they have brown rice flour and some coconut sugar, as well as like apple puree. So she's really relying on you know, natural sweeteners and things that aren't as refined and might not have an adverse effect on your body as some other things might. Uh, So, like I said, her recipes are just phenomenal. One, another one that I'm really excited about is it's a rye banana bread and she makes her own homemade Nutella. So I can't imagine that's going to be anything besides delicious. Wow, now the banoffee one would would definitely appeal to me and cashew nut butter is something that I Mm -hmm. haven't come across before. Obviously, I've seen the almond butter and... The, yep. you know the other types of butters like, that are well they are not bad for you but they're yeah. they're not as good for you yeah exactly and in, and as well sometimes you might find you know just regular peanut butter and when you look at the ingredients there might be other things in there you know a lot of sweeteners or things just kind of make up for really all that you really need in that is you know the nuts the salt some oil and um, cashew butter you can find it in a lot of health food shops and that's something she talks about in her cookbooks is that at first it's, it is it can be a bit daunting coming kind of across all these new ingredients and things you might not see day to day but once you get, become familiar with them and see the way they taste and the way they make your body feel um, it's really it, it's just really amazing and it kind of opens the doors to so many new types of flavors and cuisines and ingredients that you know might not be your average day to day but they they definitely have some really wonderful effects well, it is February, so Valentine's Day features in February, as does Pancake Tuesday this year. Yes, so yep. have you any romantic meal tips for us? <laughs> well, let's see. One of We have this really fun feature um, on fondue. So it's kind of a, 
you know, if you whether you're a fan of savory fondue or sweet fondue, there, there's a fondue for you. So we have a really nice um, cheese fondue and it has uh, Gruyere and Emmental and you can kind of add whatever cheeses you wanted to it. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, on the opposite side of that, we have a really gorgeous deep um, dark chocolate fondue. So either one of those would be perfect for a romantic night and if you kind of wanted to impress somebody. Um, and the great thing is they only need a handful of ingredients so you're not going to be running all over the store trying to find things to put together because you know, the last thing you want to do when you're preparing like you know, an impressive meal is to suddenly burn something or forget an ingredient. These are kind of surefire ways to put on a great Valentine's dinner. Fondue is so decadent too, isn't it? It is. It really is. And it's so fun because you could really add anything. I mean, from if you're doing the cheese fondue, everything from cubes of bread to even, um, you know, pretzels or um, strips of steak, you can really kind of make a nice meal out of it. And then likewise with the chocolate, you know, kind of the standard is maybe strawberries or marshmallows, but even, um, you know, if you had like sliced pears or apples, you can get some other really nice fruits in there as well. Um, the possibilities are just endless with it. You're taking me back in time now, Caroline, because in the 80s, my mother had a fondue set. Now, it would have been meat that she would have done with it, so it was oil that she had in it. And I think it was for my 12th birthday party, I had a oh. fondue party. Oh my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. I think we might need to bring that back. <laughs> so the cheese one, I've, I don't think I've, I've never had a cheese one or a chocolate mm. one, and they sound so much more delicious than the one yeah. just using the oil. Yeah, this is this is maybe this could be a nice, um, you know, 2016 fondue upgrade for you. I would definitely recommend trying it. <laughs> and you probably could incorporate the fondue then on pa- Pancake Tuesday. You could definitely. I mean, you know, if you're kind of already making up a batch of pancakes, I, me personally, I have a sweet tooth. So I would love, you know, you could kind of dip some, especially if you made the fluffy pancakes, you could kind of dip those into the chocolate fondue. But even the cheese fondue with um you can make kind of like a more savory pancake, a bit of that with um, some, say, roasted mushrooms or a bit of ham. Make something really, really nice out of that. Or dip your fruit in the chocolate and then mm-hmm. fill the, the crepes or the pancakes Definitely. with those there. Yeah, yeah have you, you can't lose. <laughs> have you lots of different options as to how you, you can make different types of pancakes in the in the mm-hmm. issue? We do, definitely. We have a, um, a really nice feature and there's, you know, we're saying that there's a pancake for everybody. So we have everything from, you know, kind of your standard thin pancake and, you know, we have an over-the-top one that has this really gorgeous um, kind of fruit compote and it's served with vanilla ice cream. And then we have another one, um, again, for maybe a more savory tooth with um, roasted mushrooms and goat's cheese and a balsamic vinaigrette glaze on that. Um, And then we have these really fun uh, fluffy pancakes and we call them confetti pancakes because you use these nice little hundreds and thousands on the inside and so when you slice into them uh, you know it just looks like a party kids absolutely love it with a little bit of whipped cream or if you want a drizzle of honey Um, and then we have a really nice um, kind of poppy seed pancake and it's using a gluten-free flour mix so it's a little bit you know it doesn't make you feel quite as guilty and that's just you serve that with a bit of vanilla yogurt and some fresh fruit slices that would be a really gorgeous one you could you wouldn't feel bad having that for breakfast or you know if everybody else is kind of dipping into the you know pancakes with ice cream and chocolate buttons all over it this might be a good one it sounds like this month there's a good balance between the not so good and that yes this is very good for you there's a good balance there Exactly. We kind of, you know, we really wanted to put something out there this month because everyone is still sort of on a kick. You know, after all the indulgences of Christmas, you really want to kind of be putting some nourishing foods into your body. And, you know, the weather is changing, so people are really susceptible to maybe starting to feel under the weather. So between, you know, we have great things like the, you know, the fondue recipes for Valentine's Day and some really nice baked goods. We have this gorgeous um, banoffee cheesecake in one of our features. Um, and then we have a great, you know, 12-page spread on really immunity-boosting meals. So everything from, like, a nice herbal tea to oats, um, some great soups, th- this, the kind of things your body craves this time of year to make sure, making sure you're putting all the best natural defenses you can against, you know, the, the flus and the colds and all the things that kind of hit in February. And finally, let's not forget the children because you're always very good at having some column space there towards that are that is geared towards the children. Yes, exactly. So yeah, we always you know we know our readers love to cook with kids, um, so we have a nice um, 
spread from one of our home economics teachers, and she kind of is breaking down just what kids need in their diets from, you know, all the vitamins they need to carbs and fats. Um, and then we have a really nice feature as well, back to pancakes, um, these little lollipop pancakes. So it's perfect type of thing to cook with your kids or for your kids, um, but they're just fun little pancakes on a lollipop stick. So they're an absolute treat. It'd be great to bring in for a class if you were doing you know, anything for a little birthday party around this time of year, but like that, we want to make sure the kids are getting um, into the kitchen as well. Out of all the recipes in this month, can you pick one or two that are your favorite? Oh, that's a tough one. I would say I was very impressed by the uh, Banoffee Cheesecake, but one of my favorite um, recipes in the issue was from our French feature. So we have some just kind of really super, super easy French recipes. And we have an apple tart in there that, you know, again, there are just a handful of ingredients, but I have to say it's probably the nicest pastry crust I've ever had in my life. So um, the apple tart in our French feature is definitely my favorite this month. So one to look out for them. Definitely, definitely. So as you say, it is out next week. Yes, exactly. Yep, out on the 3rd of February. It is on sale for €3.20. And available from all good news agents and supermarkets and lots of different places. So people should keep an eye out for it. Definitely, yes. Caroline, great to talk to you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks, you too. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. So far on the show tonight, we've heard from Sid Sheehan, chef and nutritionist from Nourished by Nature in Listowel, County Kerry. Sid joined me in the studio and will return again each month this year. So do get in touch if you've any nutrition questions or health questions for him. Contact me on s.noonan at live.ie. And just before the break, Caroline Gray told us what to expect in the February issue of Easy Food magazine, which is out next week. If you missed any of the show so far, it will be up on the podcast later in the week and you'll find it on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show or you can subscribe free of charge and download it on iTunes or use the podcast app. We still have a great recipe from Kenmare Foodie, Karen Coakley, to look forward to this evening. But before that, I have an out and about report for you. 2016 is the official year of food and drink in Northern Ireland. To mark the occasion, there's a specific theme for each month and I'm going to be sharing details with you as each month comes about. For January, the theme is breakfast. So the first place I thought of was the Hastings Europa Hotel in Belfast. Not only is it world famous, but its breakfast is also pretty infamous. So I went along to meet assistant manager Raymond Duncan and head chef Adrian McDade. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Raymond, January in Northern Ireland is officially the month for the breakfast and the Europa and Hastings group as a whole is very much in favour of the breakfast and in using the best ingredients for us. Tell us how that initiative came about. Well, I mean, over the last number of years, uh, we've carried out a lot of work in terms of perfecting our Ulster or Northern Irish breakfast offering. Uh, We've sourced a lot of high-end ingredients uh, everything from our Mayalan bacon from Hammonds uh, through to our Carnbrook sausages uh, from the mountains out in Dramara. Uh, breakfast is something we're very passionate about. We believe that our guests uh, come to Hastings not only for our bedroom product but also our food offering and breakfast is obviously key to all of that. We've a great opportunity now with Northern Ireland Year Food and of course breakfast is the first month, if you like, in the calendar, and Dear Foods devoting January to breakfast. We're lucky in that we have our launch of the breakfast uh, here at the Europa uh, for our own food year, and I mean, we're really happy and honoured that the Europa has been chosen. We've done a huge amount of work, uh, specifically working with local suppliers in terms of getting the best product and delivering that to our customer, and now's our opportunity, I suppose, to let people know the amount of work that we've done. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day, that's what they say, and people are more aware about their health and what they're eating than ever before. Have you found a difference in consumer trends over the years? Uh, absolutely, and, and it's something here that we're also trying to evolve. I mean, we, we've obviously we have our 
healthy side to our breakfast offerings. We have local suppliers in Armagh that give us our oats for our porridge, for example. Uh, we also put some Bushmills whiskey along there. Uh, not great, obviously, from a healthy point of view. But we're currently in a transitional period here as well, not only at the Europa, but throughout the group, where we're trying to remove the unhealthier options that we have on our breakfast buffet, but replacing them with local healthy options and more of an all in Irish field. So for example, we're trying to remove Danish and croissant from our breakfast offering and now introducing a local marmalade and pumpkin seed muffin that we make and bake in-house. So the customer not only gets added value but gets a healthier option, but also something local to tell a story about when they leave. So that's part of the work that we're trying to do, not only for Northern Ireland Food Year, but just as us as a hotel business and going forward. So it sounds like there's a lot of innovation there whenever it comes to menu planning and deciding what to put out on the, the buffet table, for example. Correct. I, I mean, yes, predominantly there's a lot of work involved in breakfast, but we also look at uh, what we call our signature dishes throughout the group. And they are there's probably about 50 of those in the range from starters through to desserts, where we try to create certain dishes that no matter what Hastings Hotel you go to, it's going to be presented, feel and look the same. But one of the key elements of that is that it has to be something local and that we can change menus and signature dishes depending on the season and the availability of fresh local produce. So it's not, it's not just the breakfast side that we look at, but it's also our lunch and a la carte sections of the business as well. Adrian, let's talk a bit about some of the ingredients that you use because you are, as Raymond says, using lots mm-hmm. of the, the local producers. Tell me about some of the, the producers that you source your ingredients from. Well, uh, all, of our, all of our producers are Northern Irish based. Grace Hill Black Pudding, which is based in County Antrim. We use Malachi McKenna's Mushrooms, uh, which are based in uh, County Armagh. We use, as Raymond has touched on there, my Allen bacon from Hannans, uh, honeybee sausages from Carnbrook, uh, my Clandy uh, Boy yogurt from Clandy Boy Estate again, which is which is local. Our jam is produced locally uh, in Bangor, and it's it's a key element and a key part of our business that that we support our local uh, we support our local businesses and they then in turn support us and keep the use the hotels locally so I mean we're putting something back into the into the community. Uh, but again for a from a chefing point of view, just the, the, the quality of the, the, the standard of local produce now is superb. I mean I mean even in the summertime we're using Bob Cahoon's tomatoes which is in Lisburn and for that sort of twelve week period the flavour, the taste, is is really unbelievable. Walter Ewing's seafood, uh, you know, as I say, Carnbrook meats and Hannans and John McArdle's lamb we use. So everything has a local feel to it here. Uh, I mean, there's it's about I suppose the carbon footprint. It's it's uh, used a lot, but we definitely try and, and source it within say. A 40 or 50 mile radius of, of our hotels and, and that's something that I mean I've been with the company now nearly three years and that's something that, that I wanted to be involved in when I came here and that was part of the reason that I wanted to come to Hastings. It sounds like you're sourcing ingredients from all corners of Northern Ireland. Yeah absolutely I mean we 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 definitely do we try to we try to use as much as we can and as locally as we can get it and as seasonally which is very key as well I think seasonally is a word that's used loads, you know, and, and and we certainly do try to use our menus or even our banqueting menus are sort of tailored for customers around the seasons as opposed to, yes, we have a banqueting pack, but we meet our, our customers and we tailor our banqueting food, say, you know, for veg or whatever we give them, the potato dishes that we do, that they are geared around, around the seasons. Whenever it comes to suppliers, do they come to you? Do you get an opportunity to go out to meet them at their their place of business where they grow or they manufacture the products? Yes, I mean, that's something that we do probably twice yearly. Last year, we we, uh, we went out to visit uh, the farmer in uh, Hillsborough. We went out to see the produce basically from field to, to table. And, you know, we were taking around, we were showing. We've been to... 
Let's say I went to personally visit Walter Ewing's there, the, the, the fish supplier. We've been to Carnbrook Meats. You know, so we, we get to see where stuff comes from, the hanging process. We use Hannans as well. He uses the Himalayan salt aging process. So we see our local produce being hung with with the Himalayan salt so that it extracts the moisture and it's a better quality product. So yeah, we get to see all these products and all these people uh, and it gives us, I think, as chefs, a better awareness of where our, our products come from and our, our produce comes from. Is that something that you feel has changed, that there's been a shift in that over the years since you started training as a chef, that the younger generation coming out of culinary arts degrees or whatever they're studying at college in terms of um, learning to cook and learning the trade, that they, they do want to know that, where it comes from exactly and how it's made? Yes, I think, you know, I think uh, that's something maybe in the last couple of years. And again, with things like the Great British Menu and Noel and local guys like Michael and uh, and uh, the Midsen Stars coming to Belfast, Danny Barry and, and, and at Ox, you know, these sort of things, you know, get young people involved and young people want to know more and, and these guys are sort of telling the story as well as, uh, you know, championing local projects and I think that's something that's going forward we've had that we never had that before when I was at college or you know when I was training I mean that's something that has, has really has really sort of come of age I think in the last sort of five years where you know yes there was a seasonality thing but you know we didn't really care when we were using asparagus or where it came from now we're looking at these sort of things and, and seeing you know if it's local let's get it on the menu more so than just uh, you know, just taking anything really, you know, that's key to us, I think, really, for, for us as a group anyway. When it comes to the Ulster Fry, is it still as popular as it ever was? Absolutely, we sell, you know, our our customers, uh, I mean, we sell still sugar bread, potato bread, uh, bacon, sausages, yes, it's a, it's a traditional, it's a traditional part of, of our, uh, of our heritage and even our American guests there, when they come you know they will have it. You know they will want to try the breads. Uh, at the minute we're looking at a few different things. We're maybe doing potato bread ourselves, with maybe incorporating some arma apple into it, and uh, we have that on as our our near food dish for January, where we have a homemade potato bread with apple and with guanciale, uh, streaky bacon, and poached egg. So again, yeah, I mean the fries as popular as ever, and. Uh, the, the cooked breakfast still is going strong. Do you ever get any unusual requests? No. Uh, Apart from maybe having beans with the Ulster <laughs> Fry, which is a big no-no in my book. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Well, we do serve beans here. We don't. We try and just let the customer put it on themselves. If it's not something we would we would serve ourselves with them, but it's an accompaniment there if they if they want to use it. Uh, anything unusual. I suppose some of maybe our uh, maybe our Asian customers would maybe have some porridge with their fry, you know, just on the side. So I suppose that's maybe slightly different. But other than that, nothing, nothing that I've ever been asked for that that uh, we didn't have. Raymond, it's great that you've captured all this information in the food heritage in your little book of local cuisine. I'm sure that goes down very well with customers. As I said before, we've we've carried out a lot of work. I mean, we, we go and we meet our farmers, we meet our suppliers. So it's important for us to tell them the story and to show our guests the type of work that we've carried out to try and get the best produce locally and on their plate. We, we get great feedback, particularly over social media, only this morning I read uh, a tweet from uh, Mr. Charlie Lawson, who plays Jim McDonald in Coronation Street. That He's he was, a regular to the Europa, I believe. It's great to be believe. back at the Europa. Yeah. It's great to have the Ulster Fray. And whilst he doesn't mention that it's local, we do get a lot of feedback on social media, predominantly TripAdvisor, predominantly uh, through tweets, I suppose, that you know not only did they enjoy their breakfast, but they've got an opportunity to read where it comes from and showcase that. I, we've just come from a from a food meeting, and 
you know, we've heard from lots of suppliers like David Crawford, who produces our granola, that from we've produced the books on how guests can get their product, he receives numerous phone calls now about how to get it from guests. When the seasons change with us in terms of our guests, so when we, we go from April to October and it's visitor group season, so it's tour buses, etc. So the Americans, the Australians come in, they're really keen on finding out all about the local produce. They get to taste it at breakfast and at dinner, and then they go and source it themselves or ask us to try and source it for them. So it's a great story, and they bring it back to their own countries, and we're really proud that they do that. Absolutely, and it is something to be very proud of. Thanks so much for talking to me today. And just before we go, beans or no beans for you, no Raymond? No beans for me. I'm a no beans person, but I might try the porridge the next time. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break you heard me out and about talking to Raymond Duncan and Adrian McDade in the Hastings Europa Hotel in Belfast about their infamous breakfast. And I must tell you a funny story to do with porridge that I heard at the launch of the Northern Ireland Year of Food and Drink. Hart Hastings is the, the head of the Hastings Group and you may have heard that in the north the new leader of the DUP is Arlene Foster and Arlene then is also the First Minister now. Well, the First Minister was speaking at the official launch of the Northern Ireland Year of Food and Drink and informed the audience that Hard Hastings had presented her with the gift of a book to congratulate her in her new role and also to mark the 2016 Year of Food celebrations. Wait for it though, what was the book called? Porridge is an aphrodisiac. At occasions like this, dinner, if the First Minister speaks, then the Deputy First Minister is in attendance and he and he would also say something. So Martin McGuinness from Sinn Féin is the Deputy First Minister in the North. So when he got up, he revealed that Howard Hastings had also given him the very same book and was he maybe trying to tell them something. So what do you think about that? <laughs> And I should also let you know that it's Ulster Friday as an FRY day this Friday, the 29th of January. So make sure you get the rashers, bacon and eggs on to celebrate that. But please, no beans. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the full best possible taste later in the week on the podcast, which is on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show or subscribe free of charge and download it on iTunes or use the podcast app. We're at the final interview of the evening and it's with our regular Kenmare foodie, Karen Coakley. I wonder if she's any aphrodisiac-related foods for us. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Karen, welcome to the show this evening. Hi, Sharon. How are you? I'm great. And you have a lovely, healthy butter bean salad. One that I came up with... um well, it's, we were watching, we were always watching cooking TV in bed, so we were watching Rick Stein one night, Vincent and myself, and he was travelling across Europe. It was an amazing show. And one of the dishes that he had, I don't know where it was, it was in Greece, and I love food in Greece. It was just a very simple butter bean salad, and my husband was quite taken by it, so I said, OK, I'll try that. So basically, it's just a can of butter beans. They're red, easily got, highly nutritious and cheap. And what I did was I drained those and put them into a bowl, and in, with that, then I put in some chopped red onion, chopped cherry tomatoes and chopped cucumber and then parsley and then a squeeze of lemon juice, salt and pepper and a drizzle of olive oil and mix it all up. And we had that um, as a side salad to go with something probably kofta or something, keeping with the Greek theme that I was doing. And my eight year old loved it so much that he said, Mom, can I have that for lunch tomorrow for school? So I thought, OK. And just to take it to the next level then for school and make it a bit different, I opened a can of tuna and put tuna through the leftovers and he absolutely loved it. So you can have it as it is, as, the tu- as just the bean salad with the lovely vegetables or put tuna into it, even for yourself then for lunch. You've got like a compact, perfect little lunch that you can put into your box and take to work with you. Very simple dressing that you're putting on it. Very simple dressing and it works. Okay, so that's nice, short and sweet like there's no rocket science there but very tasty and something that people might not have thought about before there is no rocket science there and the funny thing is I put the photograph up on Instagram and it got something like 60 likes on Instagram which is 
a lot of likes from me on Instagram. Um, and I got a huge reaction and people saying to me, oh my God, I must try that. And like that, when I saw it myself, I was thinking, it's so simple, but, you know, I had never thought about it. And it's just taking, again, fresh ingredients, nice, simple ingredients and using them very well. And then, as you know, butter beans are full of fiber and they're a great source of protein. So, you know, it's just a good way of feeding your kids. And then for yourself, if you were, you know, health conscious and watching what you're eating, you could also, let's say, put some hard-boiled eggs in around there too. Okay. That's another one they did for Vincent going to work because he's triathlon training again, so he's watching what he's eating. But I made like a, you know, a salad niçoise, you know, the French salad? Say that again. Oh, salad niçoise, salad yes. Salad Yes. Um, so basically in his lunchbox, a load of um, iceberg lettuce leaves. And then we had slices of tomato, slices of onion, tuna, um, green beans across the top. And I think I used sugar snaps actually and then hard-boiled eggs and then a vinaigrette dressing over it and he took that off and it's just really you know you get stuck for ideas for lunches so that was another one that i thought worked out really well and then the kids here we've been picking wild leek so i made wild leek pesto which they love and i put some rocket and some baby spinach through it you know with pesto you can experiment with any green leaves you don't have to stick to basil or you don't have to stick to one thing and i find wild garlic can be quite strong so the rocket and the baby spinach took down the garlicness of that. So then Connor, he loves it with twirly pasta. So that was his lunch, a healthy lunch going to school, was um, whole grain pasta with the um, the pesto, the homemade pesto. What's the difference between wild leek and regular leeks that you would buy in the green grocers? You see them now. They're, they, they're now, they're like a, a dark green leaf and then they've got that little white flower on top. Not to be mistaken with wild garlic, wild garlic will come later in the season, that's spring, whereas wild leek can, you know, be there before Christmas and the goals until the start of May. But if you put it then, it'll have like a little white leaky piece at the bottom. It's all edible, the flower, the stem, the whole lot. Um, And I make it like I use it in soups or like that with pesto, I make a, a potato and leek soup. And um, like that, it's wild, it's free, and it's full of nutrients and very, very good for you. Is it as thick as an ordinary leek would be? No. No, if you can imagine like a... Like, like a, a spring onion type size? Yes. Or like, you know, the daffodils when the um, greens are coming up first. Kind of could be mistaken for that. Um, but yeah, they're very, they're a little narrow, a little narrow thin um, leaf. So that's one of those other ingredients that you would be foraging for down in Canmare? one of the other ingredients would be foraging for down in Khmer. And then to get wild garlic, I find they have to go to Kamani that doesn't seem to go around here. Whereas that then, it looks like wild leek, but tastes slightly different. I think the wild garlic has a bit more of a peppery taste to it. And that's a much wider leaf and a, a different shaped white flower. But if you remember growing up when you were a child, I know this is when my memories of it was like, you know, that thing that you'd be walking along and you'd smell onions and you think, God, what's that awful smell? Yeah, there was, where I grew up, there was all, like, one, there was one kind of, like, house with a, a yard to the side, or, like, a garden to the side, and we used to sit on the wall with my friends, and I can remember always being aware and being overwhelmed by the smell and absolutely hating it, whereas now if I smell it, I'm like, okay, where is it? So, yeah, it's, you, like, it's very distinctive. Once you find it, you will know. Well, the next time we talk to you, Karen, it's go- actually going to be Pancake Tuesday, so before you go tonight, you might just refresh our memories with your pancake recipe. Yeah, there's a pancake recipe on my blog, and it's so simple. Um, it's what I do here for the boys fairly regularly because they love pancakes, and Connor has been sick this week. So um, last night, in an attempt to get him to eat something, I made pancakes for him with honey and, um, no, it was sugar and, and lemon, which is what he loves. But it's just your flour, your milk, your egg. Whisk it all together. And a few years ago, I bought a crepe machine in Little. It's, I would say, hands down, one of the best things that I have ever bought. Picked it up really cheap. I also have their waffle machine. So either of those, Sharon, because they're the kind of things the kids love. And then they make it really easy to make. Like you get a much bigger, thinner, proper pancake in leaves than you will, let's say, in a frying pan. And it has the little, you know, the little timber stick for... You see them, you know, at markets or in France, the little timber stick that when they put the batter on, then they for roll it out. Th- for thinning it out, yeah. Thinning it out. So you do that. So it looks very impressive. And they are gorgeous. So that recipe, there's a recipe on my blog for, I think I have it with summer berries. But I mean, they're so flexible. And when we go to France, what we love is the markets. They sell galette. Now, galette is a different 
pancake. It's traditional um, Breton in Brittany, but it's made with buckwheat flour. So I've bought buckwheat flour recently and I've started to make our own galettes. Now galettes are savoury. So what we love is ham and cheese galettes. So what I'll do, and you can do this with a pancake as well. It works just as well with regular pancakes as it does with the galette made with buckwheat flour. You just put, you know, when you make a pancake, on one half of it, I'll just put in my slice of ham and some cheddar cheese or um, Emmental, a nice French cheese. Love it, yeah. It melts it so beautifully, so it does. Yeah, and let it all melt, and it's just, it's gorgeous. And that's a lovely lunch with... Um, you know, green salad or, you know, Pancake Tuesday. If you want to do something like that, you know, kind of make it a nice tea, a savoury tea, and then you can have your sweet preps afterwards. Yeah, perfect. Or um, last year, the year before it was, we did the Donald Skihan ones. There's, it's spinach in them. So they're, they're oh, a lovely. bright green colour. And obviously, if my children knew there was spinach in them or saw the spinach going in, it'd be a different story. But Hannah still talks about the green pancakes and how yummy they were. Well, and yeah. interestingly enough, I got one of the um, Nutri-Mixers, the Nutri-Mixers in Little last week. They're like the little version of Nutri-Bullets. Yes. They're a 40-year-old and the kids are taking smoothies to school and they're loving them. And we're putting kale and spinach into them with fruit. We had one the other day with beetroot in it. So, yeah, anything, anywhere you can get any, you know, veg into them is good. Okay, so if anybody's looking for that pancake recipe, if they pop on to kenmarefoodies.com, they'll get all the details there. Yes. Karen, good to talk to you, and we'll talk to you again on Pancake Tuesday. Thank you, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinter. We're at the end of tonight's show, which will be on the podcast later in the week. Soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show, or subscribe to it free of charge on iTunes or use the podcast app. Thanks so much for tuning in and of course to all of tonight's guests a big thank you Caroline Gray, Sid Sheehan, Raymond Duncan, Adrian McDeed and Karen Cookley. Until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.